Hello? Yeah, I'm here to see uh, Beverly Hills. Come on in. Thump, 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 thump. Hey, Beverly. Beverly. What's going on? I'm here to watch Nitro with you. <laughs> Mr. Beverly Hills. Come on, now. You want me to come over? I'm ex- finally getting excited to watch these Nitros with you. Come on, man. He's so cool. He's just a disappointment. Who's, who's cool? Who's, who's a fool? Mr. Beverly Hills. Come on, now. Hey. Come on. Mr. Beverly Hills. Mr. Beverly Hills. Damn it! Beverly! Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, gosh. I'm oh, here. Come on, though. Oh, man. Oh, so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was listening to my most favorite new CD that I just got. What? what what's that? It's called the Shake Your Booty Tour Live CD. I've heard they've sold a million records of it. Hey, wait a second. I'm here to watch this WCW Monday Night Show with you. Well, tell me about the CD. Who Who's it by? It's by WCW Superstar Disco Inferno. What? Nah. Hey, dirty dog, I hear you calling now. It's time for the show. The sleep hold has got me confused, but maybe here we go. Mr. Hills and the dog from Maine, event status radio. They're recording again. Aha. Bagels and biceps all over my screen. What are we supposed to do? Live from Charlotte, North Carolina, and recorded live from the Independence Arena. There's two things we enjoy, chewing bubblegum and podcasting. We're all out of bubblegum. We are the twisted steel and sex appeal your parents warned you about, known as <laughs> Many Event Status Radio. I am the dirty dog, Darcy, the dirty dog of the podcast, and joining me is the clean partner who I could ask for, or the guy who is the best broadcast partner, podcast partner I ever could ask for. Oh, thank you. He is a hit maker, the record breaker, has style and grace, a pretty face, and a beautiful voice. <laughs> the well, man's laugh, I always love to hear ringing in my eardrums. Mr. Beverly Hills, 90210. Beverly, what's a happening? Thank you. Thank you. Wow. You are just, you're too kind. You're too flattering. I appreciate it so much. Mr. Beverly Hills, be kind. Rewind. You got it. Always. Always. So we are here for the 39th episode of Mid Event Status Radio, covering the 41st episode of WCW Monday Nitro from Monday, June 24th, 1996, from Charlotte, North Carolina, from the the Independence Arena. Yes. Independence Arena. I'm excited to be broadcasting this podcast from Charlotte, North Kakalaki. You got it, man. You want to hear about the Independence Arena? Yes, please. The Independence Arena, which was known as the Charlotte Coliseum, now known as the Bojangles Coliseum, after 
Bojangles Chicken Restaurants. <laughs> it was known as the Independence Arena because they built a new Charlotte Coliseum in 1988 for the Hornets. And then when they moved away, they renamed it the Charlotte Coliseum. So that's why it's the Bojangles Coliseum. Makes sense. So it was built in... 1955. Wow. So older than last week's yeah, arena. I know this one. I know, and that one was I thought was the oldest. 1955 is when it was built. Wow, we we got some good tenants, my friend. I can't wait to hear. All right, dude. So the oldest one, the Charlotte Checkers slash Clippers. <laughs> And I don't know, apparently they changed their name at some point. <laughs> I I laugh because I loved playing checkers back in the day and I even downloaded the game of checkers on my iPhone and all that and I get angry if I don't have it on easy because the computer always beats me. Well let me tell you there have been three versions of the Char- Charlotte Checkers that have played in the Charlotte Coliseum. Okay, do you know those three versions offhand? Well, one that played between 1966 and 1977, one that played uh, between 1993 and 2005, and then one that began play this year in 2015, Mm, or well in the fall. Interesting. That's very very groovy, baby. You got it. Uh, The Carolina Cougars of the not like the lady with the shirt. I'm not get, getting older. I'm getting better. Oh, Which I, by the way, I'm so pleased that you put that on my Twitter. That was the great. That was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. When I woke up and I saw that I had a notification from you, and it was that picture. <laughs> Beautiful. I was so happy. Well, because I, I, you know, for, well, I found that because on our website, mideventstatus.com, I had a notification for like um. I don't know, some kind of connection to an uh, article that somebody posted on the WordPress uh, pay, uh, community page on their own website, on their own blog page. And they reviewed okay. that WCCW episode that we reviewed back last November or whenever it was. And they had screenshots of of that episode of WCCW. This is when Flair and Fritz did their uh, promo with each other from yes. the studios. and. Whoever wrote this article had a screenshot of that better with age lady. I'm like, holy <laughs> balls! I need to save this picture and I need to tweet this right now at like three three thirty four o'clock in the morning here in Minnesota to Mister Beverly Hills. I know that'll brighten his day because you're going through some blues, some hard times yeah. during that time. So I'm like, I need to try to brighten Mister Beverly Hills' day with better with age lady. And, man, it did. It so did. It was amazing. It made me so happy. Okay, other ones include the Charlotte Cobras, uh, the Carolina Speed, which are a football team, the Charlotte Copperheads, which, like the Cobras, was a lacrosse team, and lastly, certainly not least for me, the Charlotte Crunk. <laughs> Which played in 2005. The Charlotte Cronk. What what kind of sports team is that? Basketball. Hmm. And Cronk is, well, I don't have my Urban Dictionary up, but Cronk is uh, a drug term, isn't it? Oh, I think it's, it's kind of, it's, well, it's like, it's like a music 
and just like when you're partying and just like that kind of stuff. Okay, okay. Wanted to ask because I'm not as yeah I'm not that up to terms with the current lingo and all that gorilla. So. So I, I did look it up on Urban Dictionary to let you know. So apparently, it it means this: severe intoxication or getting drunk. So that's what you said. A very fun or enjoyable time, which that's usually what I would use it. Also used to describe something cool, hip, or fashionable. So, so that's more. One can say Main Event Status Radio, the podcast, is very crunk. A cool, hip, and fashionable, I'd say. Mr. Beverly Hills, I want to get crunky. Uh, I'll get crunky and funky like a monkey on this crunky. podcast. I don't think I've ever heard anyone put a Y at the end of it, but I love it. I'm telling I'm I'm telling my in your death woes, baby. Crunky. <laughs> I'll be crunky like a funky monkey, daddy. All right, man. So, let's do it. According to my Ruku, this episode of Nitro entails, and I quote, Stain and Lex Luger defend the WCW tag team titles against the Steiner brothers in Harlem Heat. The outsiders declare war on WCW, unquote. Gorilla. Yep. So the show opens up with a classic <laughs> Nitro opening, Pyro. Uh, pyro comes after the Nitro opening, of course. I'm just that excited. Tony yep. Giovanni welcomes us to Money Nitro and welcomes us to Charlotte, North Carolina, live on TNT. Tony, yeah. once again, will be our play-by-play man for both hours of Money Nitro because of what happened to Eric Bischoff eight days prior at the Great American Bash. Tony plugs WSW Bash at the Beach on July 7th, and Larry gives us a history lesson, Mr. Beverly Hill. Oh, my God. Larry's little soliloquy that he goes on here is truly awful. Talks right. about Alexander the Great, just blah, 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 where the big boys play. That is what I heard. Yes. I'm starting to... Finally, finally come around to where you're at with Larry Sebesco with these natural openings. Uh, Larry is getting very Kevin Nash-esque, being very boring, and like you said, <laughs> very blah, 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 blah. I'm done with my Kevin Nash impersonation. Okay, thank you. Then we get, we want flair. We yes. want flair. Chance uh, from the crowd when... And when when we get a video package from the Outsiders interview again at the Great American Bash pay-per-view with Bischoff. Yep. Then Tony sends us to Mean Gene, who's backstage with the WCW Tag Team Champions, Steen and Lux Luger. So swift. And? Macho Man Randy Savage, man. And Macho Man, I had to say, opens up with the greatest line I like. Divine and conquer. That's what we do. Then he walks out. For some reason, I wrote yeah, down. I think I thought his first line was "WCW is our country, divide and conquer." Yeah. For some reason, I wrote down "divide and concert." That's what we do. <laughs> Mr. Beverly Hills, you and I divide and concert. That's what we do. And like I said, Macho just walks out. Then, do you have anything else from that promo? Because that's the only thing I wrote down. Oh yeah. So Luger's watching himself flex in the camera, which <laughs> which is great. And yeah, Sting just kind of says that a grown man doesn't pick on a commentator. And then he goes, what's the deal? Where's the third man? And then Luger beautifully goes, 
WWWCW stands strong. Yes, I unified as a unit. We are the very best. <sighs> I am happy you wrote that because I said, yeah, WWWCW stands tall proclaims Luger. <laughs> Luger then said that they are united and the very best. Yes, W. And well, I and I noted because he. Oh man, Luger's off. Because first he starts with WWWCW, and I think he was just kind of thrown for loop at that point because then it goes we're unified as a unit like okay think of another yes. words that don't basically as the same yeah because i don't yeah. know when right before steen talked they, they showed a video package from three weeks prior when hall showed up and got in steen's fa- or steen got in his face and all that then steen calls out hall for like you said picking on an announcer and not wanting to face a wrestler which yep. hall Pierrot said he wants to do it in the ring not anywhere else then right. after Luger stumbles over his words, was called added two extra W's to WWWCW. Amazing. Scott Steiner, Rick Center walk in, and Scott yep. said that uh, if they want people to watch their back, they're there. Yep, but they need to worry about them tonight. Yeah, and not so much the outsiders. Right. Then Harlem and Heat walk in, and Booker said something, and everybody starts to bicker, and I couldn't didn't catch what they said so what happened to Mr. Beverly? I just wrote <laughs> Booker and Stevie come out lots of people are called suckers Gene says knock it off <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say I, I'm loving Gene when we get these backstage segments like this and Gene gets angry and all that yes I agree then then yeah then we get sent back to the arena He is still recuperating. I haven't had a chance to talk to Eric. We are not so sure how much longer he will be out. But now, fans, as we head to Sunday, the 7th of July at Bash of the Beach, truly the most important event in WCW history, Larry. Well, you know, as Alexander the Great stood on top of the mountain and overlooked all his empires, the man wept. For there were no new worlds to conquer. Well, there's a big world out there to conquer now, Tony. The history of professional wrestling has been called upon to make a change and the generation going into the next millennium will realize without a shadow of a doubt that this is where the big boys play. No question. We can take you back all the way as the story starts really a Memorial Day of this year right here live on WCW Monday Nitro and culminated at the Great American Bash in the most disgusting, most blatant attack I've ever seen as we take you back to the footage from the Great American Bash. You tell billionaire Ted to break out the money and get anybody you can because... The big mang and the medium-sized mang and our surprise buddy are going to carve them up. I want to ask you a question right now. He's had his say. Who are they, man? Who are they? Come I on. can't tell you. I'll tell you tomorrow night on Nitro. That's the deal. 
You can't tell us. You don't jack us around. Don't jack us. Oh, for Christ. Whoa. What are they doing? Security. Get up there right now. Oh, for. Unbelievable. This is sick. Yeah. Tony, I got it. They I'm, should they hold on. With the ad. He's right down below us here. Oh my god. We're, we're gonna need some medical attention right now. Yes. Right now, ladies and gentlemen. Big boys. They just left the building. Hey, get these guys off here. Cut this thing off. Get some, what, what they Can we on? have some medical this is sick? Eric Bischoff. Of course, the host of Nitro, executive producer, and WC. Please, would someone get over to... All right, here, here they come. Jesus. Well, I tell you, it wasn't too long after that that WCW entered the call to action. As a matter of fact, those two gentlemen plus a surprise man will meet three gentlemen at the bash at the beach only on pay-per-view. And those gentlemen now standing by with me and Gene Oakland. All right, again, Tony Schiavone, I thank you. I must say that very graphic footage has got to stimulate these men because we are inside two weeks. Lex Luger Sting and the Macho Man Randy Savage to meet these two outsiders. And we're going to find out the evening of the Bash at the Beach who their third man will be. Just like Charlotte, North Carolina's Flair's country, WCW is our country, yeah. yeah. United by the face pain of the stinger, yeah. We are focused in different directions, that's true. Mongo McNichol, yeah. You and Ric Flair, we got the deal, we know the deal. Divide and conquer is what we're going to do, right? You Thank you very much, All right, uh, Lex Luger Sting, gentlemen, let's go back. Let's go back recently. On this very television program, Sting, from the outset, when these, when these men came in here, you took exception to them. You knew what they were here for. They were here to disrupt. And I want to take a look because Nobody it got to the point where you couldn't take do. anymore. There's no question, Mean Gene. I don't mind Nobody somebody that wants to walk into WCW or anywhere do. in the entire world and make a statement. But the bottom line is, a grown man does not come and make a statement, not to mention a physical statement, to a commentator. Why not try to pick on a wrestler? You want three guys, that's all I hear every single week. Yet you only produce two. What is the deal? The macho man is frothing at the mouth, and so is the package, and so am I. Lex Luger, we're unified as a team. WWCW stands tall. They stand strong. They say it's where the big boys play. These guys are going to find out what a war is all about. Because we're all in paint. We're unified as a unit. Because we are the very best. Isn't that right, Stinger? Yes, the very best. This is definitely where the big boys play. And Yo, guess what? Lexi, hey, 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 wait a minute now, Scott We've been Steiner. a long time. And if you need us to watch your back, we'll be there. But that's later on down the line. Tonight, the belt's on the line, and you better worry about us. All right, Rick Steiner, your thoughts? Hey, I can care less about the belt. What do you oh, guys Wait a minute, hold up, Gene. You gotta right. go like this here. Me and my brother, we gotta start a settle with this punk right here from Las Vegas, Nevada, when I got cold cut with a roll of silver dollars. And you, Steve, yeah, you saw 
about the whole thing. And as far as I'm concerned, you like two peas in a pot. And this sucker right here, and this sucker. about it tempers are flaring already and later on in this telecast those three tag teams you just witnessed will get it on in a triangle match for the wcw world tag team title later on here live on nitro larry well it's going to be a toss of the coin tony all these teams psyched up harlem heat wants the belt the steiner brothers wants the belt and after a long investigation the surgeon general himself issued a warning Then we get the first match of the night. Mm-hmm. The Blue Bloods of Lord Stephen Regal and Squire Dave Taylor with Earl Robert Eaton and Jeeves. Yes. Taking on na 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 the public enemy of Johnny Grunge in Rocko Rock. Yes, I wrote public enemy and then I wrote with terrible edited in music yes. and I wrote the edited music is so bad that it's over an inset promo and they're talking but you can't hear them all you can hear is the the music and then they go bikinis yes I, <laughs> and that was the first thing you heard him say yeah I'll talk more about the edited version after the match because I have a rant or yeah, I have a rant. About oh, that. I'm looking forward to it. But, yeah, Bikinis! When, but when when the Blue Bloods made their way to the ring, Tony and Larry said that Kevin Green is there and Green is, quote-unquote, Mongo hunting. <laughs> yep. And, like you said, that for the WWE Network, once the Public Enemies theme starts, both Tony and Larry qu- stop talking, and we see a split screen of the pre-taped with the enemy, and I guess they want to party. Bikinis! Then, uh, and then they, yeah, but then they informed the Nasty Boys that they're going to have a double dog collar match. Texas Tornado rules. I just had him in notes. Why does the enemy have a dog collar and chain? Yep. Then you just answered it before I asked him. So you got thank it. you very much, Mr. Beverly Hills. You That's why you're the school teacher of this podcast. <laughs> That's then, everybody. Uh, Rocco, Rock, and Regal, Rock, Rock, and Regal start out the match. And to my surprise, you do a little bit of chain wrestling at the start, and I'll kick well, I see it looked like an arm ring. No, 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 you're right, you're right. Okay, no, ju- you're right. Just the facial Rock expression. Rock just isn't very good at it. Just the <laughs> facial expression you give me, I thought I didn't write down the correct terminology or what. Nope, no, you were right. Rocko Rock was wrong because he wasn't very good at it. <laughs> Before I kick it to you, Tony mentions that Dave Taylor was a British heavyweight champion. Okay. And I'll kick it to you about that because... I have no context of what Tony Schiavone's talking about. I think that's another example of them just being like British heavyweight champion. Like there's one champion of all of England, which I mean, I'm sure he has held championships. I don't think I'd say that, you know, you know what I mean? Like there's not just one champion. It's just like they called Conan the Mexican heavyweight the champion Mexican earlier heavyweight. when, even though he walked out with a, like the triple A American America's heavyweight title, whatever it was yes. I said on that episode of the podcast. Right, exactly. Exactly and how you didn't like that, and I would agree with you just like that. That's just like being British champion, whatever. It's lame. If you can't um, if you can't exactly see what it is and why 
bringing up like what you said before, especially comparing it to also Kevin Sullivan talking about the League of War when <laughs> people yeah. watching everyday TV in '96 don't know what the hell he's talking about. Right, hundred percent, totally agree with you. So I'll kick it to you for the match. Okay, so Regal is first thrown off by the chanting of the fans. He doesn't like he's covering his ears. Um, so that and and like Rock and Rock's dancing and stuff. So he hits a hip lock, throws him over, and then my literally my favorite thing of all, all of these intros, Regal dancing. Yes, and I really um, I've been enjoying a lot Regal's theme song also back then too. <laughs> sure. Da, 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 da. Yep. Yes, so groovy. Yep, yep. But Rocco was able to get a drop kick on Regal um, that kind of chased him outside, chased him to tag in Taylor. Taylor comes in with a couple really good looking European uppercuts. Um, Rocket another drop kick that sent Taylor over the rope. Um, after a little bit here, Taylor gets back in control. More European uppercuts. Oh, shit. Gets back in uh, Regal. Um, the public enemy are able to come in, hit a double clothesline. Uh, Grunge got in and took out both his, both the bloods. He hits a slam on Taylor, but just for a one count. Um, as he's bouncing off the ropes, Earl Robert trips Grunge from the outside. But um, back inside, Taylor and uh, Regal, they're sassing around too much. Grunge hits him with his cast, and that leads us to the three. Yeah. Uh, before we get to that, uh, I have in my notes that Rock Rock tried to do a middle rope moonsault with Regal standing. Yep, that happened. To me, that doesn't make any sense on when your opponent's standing. Why do that? Oh, man, Moonsault Press? you never seen a Moonsault Press before? I guess if I have, I have no recollection of it because, yeah, this that threw me off guard during that match. Oh, yeah, that's definitely a move. But anyway, then, like you said, for the finish, Nick Patrick was looking outside, being distracted, and Grunge used his hard cast and knocked Taylor out over the head with, with a, like, overhead punch and scored the pinfall victory. You got so it. winners are nah, none of the nah, none of the nah. <laughs> Public enemy, I read this match. Two stars, Mr. Beverly Hills. Star and a half. Okay, because I felt like this w- was a de- decent opener. wasn't bad. And he, definitely the Blue Bloods carried Public Enemy to an acceptable, ma- acceptable match. I felt like it wasn't long, so it was where it needed to be. And if I felt like it right. would have been longer. It wouldn't have been as good as mm-hmm. the match was. Yep, I would agree. Some, a lot of times we just say it would be better with more time, but that's not true for every match. Certainly not. So, and I think this is definitely one of them. No, let's let me get in my rant. Oh, all right, man. I just dropped my pen, and one like you said about earlier with the WWE Network version of the knockoff Public Enemies song. Song, I hated it, especially during the replays <laughs> and all that. During yeah. the end of the match, the announcers quit talking. You can definitely tell it was an edit. Like, what the hell? You, you got, they have, they've done better edits before on pre-network stuff. And they have a lot of great people working with the network. So why couldn't they figure out levels and all that to redub the Public Enemy themes on to 
adding the announcers talking all that that yeah pissed me off and it seemed like the 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 enemy's version of their theme song on the network was extremely loud compared to everything else on the show and that pissed me off like <laughs> come on now you guys can do a hell of a lot better job the wwe has done a hell of a lot better job with this before but what the blue moons up their butt <laughs> yeah it was pretty bad I don't know, uh, I guess, you know... It was, I, I mean, this was one of their worst edit jobs because, like you said, it took away the commentary, it took away their promo, that's what was bad. Yeah, and it, and it bothered me a lot that, you know, like I said, with the levels and all that, I, I guess I'm kind of anal about that, like you said on last week's podcast, that I, I'm the one that edits the podcast together, I put, send the whole yeah. file through a levelator to make sure everything sounds fine and, and all that and it bothers me while listening to other podcasts or music or watching sure. tv shows or movies that things aren't leveled out like that because i guess sure. you can say i have a ear more of an ear to things like that but it like i said wwe's done a better job before with that and i guess it just rubbed me off the wrong way about that yeah that would totally make sense that yeah like you said you have an ear for it you know you know what it sounds like and you know how you know although it takes time and it takes a skill how relatively i don't i would never say easy but it's doable right and like with like you said people who this is their job to do it they should be able to and i know it's a lot harder i'm I haven't done video editing stuff or whatever, but I'm sure it's a hell of a lot harder to do video stuff. Right, I'm sure. stuff than it is for, like, an audio podcast since it doesn't take that much work into it. That's why I figured out how to do it with some right. help with... But again, you don't get paid to do it. Yeah. It's not, you know, and if and I get somebody pay, does. If I get paid to do it, I'll definitely be willing to do a lot more work and I'll put a lot more work into it and make it, make it, but like I said, it's not my job. We do this because we love podcasts, we love talking right. to each other, we love yes. the listeners of Mid-Event yeah, Status Radio, no, but yeah. yeah, anyway, before we spend more time on that, and I get like angry, my blood pressure goes up, we had a commercial break, we come back, and Kip Abby is already in the ring. Yeah, did you, is that what you went with, Kip Abby or Kip Abby? Yeah, I put, well, one note I have, uh, I spelled this last name as A-B-B-E, then for the match, who who he's facing is K- A B E E. So that's what I went with. I went with A B E E. A B. I think that's what they said. Do you know who Kib Kib Abby is, or A B or whatever his name? I think is? we're gonna go with Kip, not Kib. What Kip? Kip. I've never heard Kib as a name. Whatever. Like I said, I uh, I'm tattling my into dusty woes, baby. Kip, who Kip. is this Kib Abby? <laughs> Oh, man, let's see here. Oh, looks like he's got at least a, a, some more job or work because there's a video uh, of him losing to Ric Flair. Um, he has a Twitter. <laughs> um, hmm. You know, a lot. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Okay, whatever. Then I'll kick it to you for, the, for this quote-unquote match. 
Yeah. Sullivan takes over real quick, takes him to the outside. Oh, yeah. We, we, we even announce what this match is. Oh, yeah. Kevin, Kevin Sullivan. Sullivan. Kevin Sullivan with Jimmy Hart taking on Kib Abby or whatever his name was. <laughs> Kip. Whatever, Kip. Like like Kip James, your favorite wrestler. Oh, yes. Kip Abby. Anyway. <laughs> isn't, isn't Billy Gunn your favorite wrestler? I thought that was a known fact. I'm just an ass man. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so uh, Sullivan takes him into the crowd, uh, drags him up the stairs, and then uh, drags him into the concourse. Um, and he really wants to take him into the women's bathroom, but Doug Dillinger won't let him. It's so weird. Uh, and then so so then Sullivan decides to throw uh, Kip into a Subway counter instead, like Subway sandwiches, and that leads to me. What is your favorite Subway sandwich? Ooh, um, I loved for the longest time the meatball marinara sub. Oh yeah, that's good. I loved you know adding pepper jack cheese and lettuce, shredded lettuce on it, and that's it. Then I moved to um, the chicken bacon ranch sub. Ooh, also with, good. You know, pepper, again, pepper jack cheese, shredded lettuce, and a uh, parmesan cheese. Oh, those are you know that I as you may or may not know. I was a long-time sandwich artist myself. Yes. I remember, I think we discussed that probably back when we, when we first met, when you were a CA for the dorms <laughs> we lived, lived in and all that. So I think I okay. remember you saying before about that. Yes. And by the way, I'd be happy with both of those selections because they aren't either any of the annoying stuff to make. Yeah. <laughs> Meatballs super easy to make. Chicken bacon ranches are easy to make. So I'm did, with, so I give you love on that one. Did you, did you ever have, have to deal with a flatbread when you were? I did not. That was post my time. Okay, because I was going to ask how much, if that was a pain in the, pain in the butt to deal with, but I guess the only thing you really got to do is just, when you're toast. making the sandwich, just ask the customer if they want it toast or not. If not, you got to put it in the the oven beforehand anyway just to make sure it's to finish cooking it or whatever. Rock on. Yeah, so, but, so yeah. yeah, I didn't have that. Yeah. So, what I wanted to ask since we, yeah, we talked about Subway sure. subs here on the podcast. Yeah, so I'm, w- I'm with both those selections. Now, my further question, what kind of sandwich do you think Kevin Sullivan would order at Subway? Oh, <laughs> I, it's hard to say, Beverly Hills. <laughs> I don't like to talk about that kind of stuff on the podcast with MSL. <laughs> I'm going to order something demonic, something from the dark side. Something to help hold over my high god during the end of days. <laughs> While the wars are taking place, I need a cold cut combo. <laughs> added with the egg of the serpent. Much love to Kevin Sullivan and MSL. Thank you, guys. Oh, my God. The egg of the serpent. <laughs> <laughs> so great. So great. Oh, I'm so glad I asked you that question because that's the best answer I've ever heard. You know, I think we had more entertainment <laughs> pondering Sullivan's Subway selection over this, how entertaining this match was. 
Oh, this match sucked, dude. <laughs> he just took him out to the concourse, random into the sub counter, and then he was just kind of done. Yeah, I, I took note that Randy Anderson brought Kevin Sullivan back to the ring, and I guess yeah. the match is over? Question mark. Right. My my last note on the match was what kind of sandwich do you think Kevin Sullivan would order? And then I have my my DQ. Yeah. So I don't. I was, was going to say, I don't remember ever hearing the opening bell or the closing bell for this match, so I don't even know if this was actually a match. Right. But as <laughs> you think. foreshadowed, I guess, Kip, Ab- Kip Abby, or whatever his name is, Daddy, won <laughs> by disqualification. And because, I guess, like you said, well, like I've said, I'm anal about opening and closing bells, I put for my rating... Not applicable. Oh, I put dud. So Prince has the same thing as dud, so yeah. whatever. Then uh, yeah, Mean I, Gene is in yeah. the ring with Jimmy Hart. Prince, right when Randy Anderson was bringing Sullivan back to the ring down the stairs and, and all that, and Hart said that they're in Charlotte in Horseman yes. Country, and they're in one piece. Yep. They entered Horseman Country one piece, and they'll leave in one piece. Right, yep. Then Sullivan, uh, Sullivan finally got into the ring, so like, Jimmy and Gene were killing time until <laughs> Sully showed up. And Sully got the ring and he said that he's willing to do anything to the horseman as he showed what what he did to Kip Abbey. Yeah. And he also said, Horseman, I'm here in the horseman's town. Then you're coming to my country, Daytona, Florida. So the question arises... Is that where the end of days will happen? God, you're too throaty, man. I'm you're sorry. You're too throaty. Anyway, do you have any other notes for this promo? Uh, yes. Because then after Sullivan leaves, Jimmy says that if he hears, woman, oh woman, will you marry me now? He is going to choke himself. And <laughs> we don't want that. But I do love hear, hearing Flair say, Woman, oh woman, will you marry me now? Well, I guess the question arises, is it, was it known on TV that woman and Kevin Sullivan were married? Oh, I don't know. I guess that's probably why uh, Hart... In other places, in ECW. Yeah, I guess that's why I ask if... It's been mentioned on WCW TV because in real life that they were actually married at the time. Yeah, I don't know. Good question. We're going to be sending Mean Gene Oakland to the ring area here in just a minute. They're going to have to scrape up Kip AB somewhere up near the condiment counter as this has broken down here on WCW Monday Nitro Live. I don't know if I get, we've got an official word about this or not. Well, I believe so. I believe Sullivan has been disqualified. With that, we go to the ring in Mean Gene. All right, Tony Schiavone, I thank you very much. It seems that your man, the Taskmaster, has got a fixation with twin holers, with, with restrooms. You know me, Gene? The Taskmaster in the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, came to the home of the Four Horsemen, Charlotte, North Carolina. We walked in, and we're walking out alive. All right, I should point out, coming up at the bash at the beach, you are going to be in the corner of the Taskmaster and the WCW Heavyweight Champion of the World, the Giant. When they meet Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit, it will be no picnic for you, sir. Listen! Benoit! 
I want you to listen real close. You see, I'm here in the horseman's town. You see what I just did? You're coming to Daytona Beach, where I live and dwell. Benoit, Anderson, I know this is a ploy, because the whole thing is... Can, can I point something out for the record? Do you know that if the horseman beat you or the giant the following night on Nitro, the giant is going to have to put up the title? Yeah, everybody here knows what they want. They want Flair to wrestle my partner, the giant. It isn't going to happen. It's not going to be very pretty. You're a very... If I hear Ric Flair say, woman, oh woman, won't you marry me now? And I'm going to Space Mountain one more time. I'm going to choke myself to death. Stay tuned when we return for more WCW Sunday Nitro, live from Charlotte. Anyways, we might as well talk about what we see next for the you know next on nature we they go to commercial we see another glacier commercial oh my god so many glacier commercials and i have to ask who cares about glacier oh my gosh who cares about glacier who cares about glacier who cares about glacier i'm trying to talk i'm tired of that i was trying to talk as slowly as a glacier moves but yeah, I don't, no. want, I don't want to bore, bore the listeners. Yes, please. So we'll also talk about the next match, Mr. Beverly Hills, for the WCW okay. World Cruiserweight Championship. Yes, we hear a terrible knockoff of Eye of the Tiger, and with that comes out hard work, Bobby Walker. He's take on the <laughs> champion, Dean Malenko. Yes, and I just wrote, do you think this match is specifically designed to see if hard work can ever look good? Because they're putting <laughs> no. him with, like, the best wrestler they have. It's like, okay, prove it or not prove it, Bobby Walker. This is to see if you're any good. Yeah. Um, no. Bobby Walker sucks. Always <laughs> suck. Forever, forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, here it is because this is a terrible match. And yeah. we know that Dean Malenko is probably the best wrestler they have. So yeah. I do have a question for you about hard work, Bobby Walker. Okay. Is he trying to play a boxer gimmick? Yeah, I they got something going with that because, like, that's why they play Eye of the Tiger. Like, that's from Rocky. Makes sense. Okay. He's got, he's got the robe and the towel and okay, all that. I there's guess, there's something going on there. I guess I didn't catch that network put in a Eye of the Tiger. Well, that's not the network thing. That's them. That's oh, them. Yeah, so you can check. You can I, always tell when, when the announcers are talking, when you can hear them, that it's that's them. Okay, I guess I wasn't paying that much of attention to their theme song since WCW kind of doesn't really... The audio of the guys' theme songs really don't come through that great Okay, from WCW TV, at least for me. For sure, for sure. Then uh, Larry uh, philosophizes and tells us how much, how that uh, Malenko's a great player of the game of human chess. Oh, God, I hate when he says the game of human chess. And and all that he said. I also took note that he's Larry said that when when they were when uh, I assume hard work Bobby Walker was outside of the ring and was was frustrating that he got arm dragged or whatnot. But I'll <laughs> kick it to you to talk about this match because I don't like hard work Bobby Walker. <laughs> Who does, man? Well, my first note is that so they're pimping up that. 
Dean Malenko is going to be facing Disco Inferno at the pay-per-view. And I just go, how did Disco Inferno in any realm get a title match? (laughs) I mean, I love him. But I think we've seen him win one match in these four or five weeks or whatever. And he really hasn't been... uh much of a cruiserweight alias to the <laughs> right. stereotypical cruiserweight division that we've been mm-hmm. seeing. Right. Yeah. So I, I'm confused by this very much. <laughs> Whatever. I know uh, one thing I appreciate about Malenko is that he had Walker and has some kind of a shoulder leg, leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that one too. And he yep. transitioned it to a camel clutch and all that. And I, Really like that. That yep. That's one thing I've been appreciating about the Malenko matches we've been seeing on this series, the Great American Bash at the Beach series, on Malenko and his the transitions he uses in different submission maneuvers. Yeah, I feel like Dean Malenko has been a revelation in this series. He's he's looked great every time with a varied uh, selection of. Um, Opponents, uh, he's just looked tremendous, and uh, yeah, that that move that you're describing looked really good. So after that, he uh, gets him in a gut wrench power bomb, just pounds him <laughs> with that power bomb, uh, sets him up for the clover leaf, and then out comes Disco. <laughs> he's yes. got a gold record. Yeah, go ahead. I guess. Yeah, because didn't did, did Disco fa- uh, come out to his theme song? No, he uh, came out. Okay, just wanted to. Asked, I know his theme song played, but yeah, yeah. he came out and all that. Then, then see, um, Linko, he John, comes out, then he demands to them to play it. And what and he disco into the ring and wanted to dance. Yeah, then he was just goes on the dancing on the second rope turnbuckle theme of Bob. And the walker was kind of looking at disco, all confused, like, What are you doing? This is my match, this is my time to shine, daddy. And Blinko dropkick Walker into Disco, who's yeah dancing. They can Disco take a tumble over the over to the outside, and gave uh, Dean Blinko a chance to hit the Northern Lights Suplex pin cover to Walker and score the pinfall victory. You got it. The one man show. You got it. Dean Blinko is still a reigning and defending WCW World Cruiserweight Champion. I read this match, one and one half star solely on the finish. Also went one and a half star on this one. I loved seeing Disco, you know, do his thing and all that at, at, at the end of the match, and hearing his theme song play during the during the final sequence. Yeah, I still think it's implausible that he's the ch- number one contender, but whatever. Then we get Mean Gene in the ring with Dean Malenko to interview him. And uh, mentioned that it was rude, rude of Disco to interrupt the match like that, and it was rude of Disco to act the way he is. Then, yeah, then Disco had a gold record, and all that. And Disco said that Dean is a man of thousand holds, but Disco is a man that sold a million records, CDs, CDs. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Then Dean said, "Well, you're missing the you're missing the funniest okay. part of this promo." Go ahead. Disco's walking up behind him, behind uh, Malenko, and he's got the record ready to smash him. And Dean just goes, "Don't even think about it." And then, <laughs> then Disco turns around and he like walks away. <laughs> yes. Then Dean said that he'll he'll only take one hold to take yeah. Disco out. Right. 
which I very, very, very greatly enjoyed. Malaga doesn't seem to care. Once again, we've experienced something that we've never experienced before, and you're seeing it live on Nitro. Walker lands on his feet. Bobby Walker runs into the disco inferno from a drop kick. He takes the tumble on the outside. Waste lock takeover into a bridge. A two and a three. And the Cruiserweight champ, the Iceman, wins again. Malenko got him in the midst of all that mass confusion. Ladies and gentlemen, the winner, the WCW hey. Cruiserweight Champion, Dean Malenko. Northern Lights Suplex. The Disco Inferno arguing here. And I, I've never seen an interruption. And we've got a very angry Cruiserweight Champion right here. With that in mind, we go to Mean Gene. All right, a little uh, tough to sort it all out. Dean Malenko, come on in, cruiserweight champ. Coming up, your title defense at the Bash at the Beach on July the 7th. And uh, apparently a very rude interruption on the part of this band, the Disco Inferno. You know, one thing, Gene, I'm not going to stand for it. I take this cruiserweight belt. Don't you ever or even think so. Oh, hey, Mr. Personality, this whole show is about television ratings. Now everybody knows the Disco Inferno's on a Shake Your Booty Tour. My new Shake Your Booty Tour CD just went gold, and everybody wants to see me dance. Now hey, let's face it, you and Bobby Walker just were not having a good night, and let's face facts, you were stinking up the joint. Hey, that, I'm gonna take exception to that, Dean Malenko. Hey, come here. Give me this, give me this, hey. What, what's your story, pal? Hey. I just figured that it was a perfect time for me to come down and do a little dance, make a little love, and get down tonight. Now, if you're upset with that, excuse me. Hey, whoa, 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 hey, whoa, whoa, Malenko, whoa. you may be the man of a thousand homes, but I just sold a million CDs. <laughs> I think this guy's got a, a little trouble. Uh, he's introverted, I'd have to say. Disco Inferno. You're right, I am the man of a thousand holds. But at the Bash of the Beach, it's just going to take one to take you out. Thank you very much, Cruiserweight Champ Dean Malenko, and stay tuned when we come back. More action here on Monday Nitro. Yes. Then we get a commercial for the Bash of the Beach. Yep. We come back at WCW Saturday night. Stan and Lex Luger and Savage will be in a six-man main event match. Mm-hmm. Then we get the next match, the Barbarian versus Eddie Guerrero. And have Man, we, I love the Barbarian. And have we seen Eddie before on the podcast and in WCW yet? Not in WCW. I don't know if we've seen him on the podcast or not. Okay, and I do like Eddie's mullet in 1996. Oh, my gosh. It's tremendous, man. Tremendous. So I'll kick it to you for the match. Uh, yeah, well, I'm always happy to hear the... The, the Barbarian music, or really the Face of Fear music, because I love both the Barbarian and Ming. So either of them coming out makes me happy. Oh. Um, and the, what, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Totally, completely different or off-subject. Uh, I can't remember which episode of raw this happened on but uh when you said main it made me think of when tywin mcmahon was interviewing razor ramon and he called vince mcmahon right it just i'm sorry but just made me laugh i wanted to mention that mcmahon cool yep mcmahon you got it anyway so uh yeah and eddie's mall looked awesome 
Uh, have you ever had a mullet? No. Oh, I've always okay. wanted to grow long hair when I was a kid, and Mama D ixnade that ever happening. Oh, that sounds a lot like Mama Hills. Yep. <laughs> never a mullet, never a long hair for me neither. Which is sad. And now with you know me working in a warehouse, I really don't know if I want long hair because I get all sweaty and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if I can either. Um, so, anyways, Larry recites a line. The Darwin's man is well behaved, but he's merely a gorilla while shaved, which he claims is his own line, by the way, and it's not. <laughs> so, plagiarist oh, Larry's best. So, you, so you looked that line up. Oh, I knew I had heard it before. I've I've heard it many a times, and I and then I looked it up. Yeah, and it's not. Do you know who originally uh, originally uh, penned that line? It's well, it's from the play called Princess Ida, okay. and I believe the name of the writer is W. S. Eliot. Okay. Or W. S. Something. Larry Zabisco, how yeah. dare thy misquote and plagiarize? I agree, man. Gorilla. Yep. So Eddie's able to kind of get a get ahead at the beginning with some speed moves, but Barbarian is able to catch him and hit a front slam and then a big power bomb, and the crowd loves it. The crowd is going wild for Barbarian, which I assume is uh, because that's kind of where he got his start back in the eighties as a Kong the Barbarian before he moved on to uh, WWF. So. Uh, they're loving him. Uh, he hits a power, a pump handle slam. Sorry, uh, for two. Uh, this one I noticed there were some Eddie chants taking place, so they uh, Eddie was able to pull over some of the crowd at least. So what we got then is a match that had a ton of crowd heat, um, and all of it good. <laughs> there were yeah. people who loved Barbarian. There were people who loved Eddie, and this really just created a really kind of awesome atmosphere for this match here. Uh, Bar- uh, Barbarian, he, he ran in for a charge and uh, this is where it kind of got a little shoddy. Uh, Eddie tried for a for kind of a Hurricane Rana head scissors and it was just very choppy. Uh, I'm not sure what was happening if Barbarian was fighting it. but Or do you think it's because it was kind of hard for Barbie to be flexible enough for that move to happen? You Maybe, yeah. Yeah, because eventually Eddie just kind of pulls with him and rolls him over uh, and kind of throws him off. But uh, it's, yeah. Other than that, the match looked really good. Uh, Eddie was able to kind of hurt uh, Barbarian into a side suplex, side suplex, which looked uh, good. Uh, then Barbarian crotched Eddie on the rope. Um... Here, the my favorite spot in the match, Barbarian did this insane throw to Guerrero across the ring. He threw him about three quarters of the way across the ring, which mm-hmm. always looks impressive. You know, yes. people, I guess, crap on the WCW rings because they're smaller than the WWE rings. But that, times like that is what I appreciate about the smaller rings in WCW that makes the power guys like Barbarian, Maine, Scott Steiner. Make them yep. seem larger than life and what they can do seem that much more impactful, that they can throw the guys that much more farther across the ring than what they could do when they wrestled with the WWF. Yes, totally true. Totally agree with you. 
Um, and I just know in this match, and I don't know if he's just feeding off the crowd or if it's because it's kind of his home, home area or whatever, but Barbarian's showing so much personality, and I really like it. He's just coming across so much better than I don't think I've ever seen him uh, before here. He's looking great. And uh, I'll let you take the finish. You like to do the finish. Yeah. Take it away. That Barbie went up top for went up top to do a top rope superplex, but it was countered midair when Eddie did a I guess cross bodied him and scored the pinfall victory. So Eddie Guerrero is the winner, and I had to rate this match one star because I know it's your your kind of match, Mister Beverly yep. Hills, but it's yeah, like it. it's more Barbie squashing Eddie more than anything, and it's like it, all the times Eddie had offenses when he outsmarted Barbie. Right, and I think that's the story. I think that's what they're going for. I think that's the point of the match here is that Barbarian is the bigger, stronger, more veteran wrestler, and Eddie has to use his smarts and his speed to beat him. Now we go to me and Jing, who's ringside again, to interview Eddie. Oh, by the way, I went two and a half stars. I went oh, two and a half sorry, stars. My that's, bad. That's okay. Okay, then yes, yeah, my bad. I was sorry, sorry to steamroll Mr. Beverly Hills. That's all right, man. Yeah, then me and Jing is ringside again to interview Eddie Guerrero. Gene brought us back to Uncensored with when Eddie lost to Conan, where Eddie got low-blowed by Conan's head when he was trying to jump up on Conan's shoulders. I don't know, whatever. Yep. Then Eddie, yeah, there's some like nut shot thing that's so weird. Yeah, Eddie said that he deserves a United States title shot, and he felt like he proved it. Yep. Then Gene, right at the end, Gene asked, Eddie about the Outsiders, and Eddie said that he doesn't like the disrespect the Outsiders shown to WCW and everybody that works for WCW, and wish he had a chance to have his name considered to face him at the bash at the beach. Yep. And I had to ask Mr. Beverly Hills, 1996, was Eddie Guerrero the the one, or was Eddie Guerrero the right man in 96 to face the Outsiders? Oh no, but I I liked, I liked, like I said in the last uh, last week's podcast, that I kind of like that people are throwing their names in even if they're not on that level. I think it shows that, um, you know, they're willing to commit to the other storylines. And, and I like when people comment on other storylines, even if they're not involved in it, because it, it makes the, them... Oh, sorry, it shows the importance of no, okay. that storyline and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it shows that people are paying attention. Like, I don't like it when it seems like each um, each storyline is kind of in its own bubble. I want a product that's all kind of connected. Yeah, I guess this might be a bad analogy, but I remember when I was in, I think, eighth grade, or I can't remember which, exactly which grade I was in when the, uh, we, uh, twin, t- uh, the Twin Towers were attacked. And I bring that up because I remember each, I think I had like seven classes that day in middle school, and I remember kind of each teacher kind of talked about, you know, what was happening in the details and the historical significance of what what's happening that day live and trying to tie it in with whatever subject they were teaching that day and whatnot. So I guess to kind of, I don't know, kind of bad analogy, but try to, I always enjoy it when... Yeah, like in storylines or in real life, people try to tie in something that's happening and that has significance to whatever part of life they're in. 
no, that's a great analogy, actually. Uh, and that's something that has been a trend over the last maybe five or ten years in education. But tie, using an overall subject to tie all them together so that we aren't so like insular. Like you go to English and you talk about one thing, then you go to history and talk about another thing, then you go to math. Yeah, no, that's actually a perfect analogy that goes very well with what we're speaking of and I'm sure when that happened it probably meant a lot more to you and it probably was that one day you were able to take a lot more out of all those yeah. different classes it's still you know, still, you know has an impact on, on me now that because I first period I had phi ed and didn't know nothing about it then right. second right. second period I had civics and all that and the yeah. teacher just had had it on and pushed, let us kind of talk about what's going on. And he had on the whiteboard kind of written down, like, first the details of what he's finding out, like bullet points on news and all that. Like, oh, what's, sure. what's what he's finding out for we can know what what's going on, too, while we watch what's happening on the television screen. Right. Uh-huh. Here's a pickup. Here's that Denny. And he falls on top. One, two, three. the perseverance, the heart, the desire that makes Eddie Guerrero, that makes WCW, that has put all these men behind WCW as we head to Bash at the Beach. Well, with all those attributes, it always helps, too, when your opponent falls off the top rope. Lady Luck was smiling down upon Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero is your winner here on WCW Monday Nitro. He earned every bit of that. He could have earned it a lot easier if he didn't make some basic mistakes off the beginning, though, Tony. Well, we're going to bring Eddie in the ring, and Mean Gene is there. Thank you very much, Tony and uh, Larry. As you described very aptly, the technical mechanics of this band are simply superb. Returning recently from international competition in Japan, we're going to talk about that in a moment. But, Eddie Guerrero, I want to take you back to Uncensored, that mega spectacular on pay-per-view from WCW, oh my word, you were in the ring with the reigning United States champ, Conan, please describe for me as we take a look at it, what's transpiring here. Well, as you know, saw right there, Mean Gene, I kind of got hit where uh, most male men don't like to get hit. Right, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, you could be singing uh, Lounge Act with the uh, Four Seasons after that. I don't want to make light of it because I know it's a very painful injury. That's right. All I want to do is just not making excuses. I just do want to say that I think that I deserve another shot. I know almost all the wrestlers here in WCW are great. And I'd like to make my bid again for the U.S. championship. And I'd appreciate and always appreciate your people's support on that. All right. Uh, very good. I thank you. And by the way, Eddie Guerrero, since you just returned from the Super Junior Weight competition in Japan at the international level, what do you think of this outside, this outside invasion, these, these people that are coming in here? Well, I just think they're coming in here with a lot of lack of respect for all the wrestlers of WCW. And I'd like to say that I wish my name was on that list of three that are going to go up against them, but it's not. 
And I know that those three thank are the you. best of WCW. I just want to wish them my best. Very good. I thank you, Eddie Guerrero. High energy. Stay tuned. More Nitro right around the corner here on TNT. But anyway, we must all, you know, does get move, move on to the next match. Do you have anything to anything in between that interview and the next match? No. Okay. The next match I have to, uh, in memory of Dusty Rhodes, baby, okay. had to open up my Dusty Rhodes main event status, Mellow Yellow. Now, is that a special Mellow Yellow you got there? Well, is, they that, have, is that camouflage? Yes, yeah, camouflage. It's something that? that they're doing different, for, assuming for the hunting season. Ah, got it. So, hey, actually. Well, your Nightmare do have something very similar. <laughs> I like it. So here's my main event status, Mellow Yellow, for this next match. So this next match is Art Anderson and Chris Benoit with Steve McMichael and Mongo's briefcase taking on the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. And I had to ask Mr. Beverly Hills, how does the yeah. Rock and Roll look compared to a few weeks ago when we saw them on Nitro? Oh, I can't really remember, to be honest, how they looked back then, but they look like crap right now. Yeah, same <laughs> here. They, they look rough. They looked, you can definitely tell that they had their better, prettier days well behind them. Well, it's just, I think it's just unfortunate that they never tried any other type of look. You know, because obviously, as we see in this match, they still have skill. They still have, you know, the wrestling ability. That's why I don't know why never along the lines did they ever try any type of different look, you know, hair-wise, ring gear-wise, whatever, because they're going to look like crap because they're 15 years older than when they first started doing this. So I don't understand yeah, I totally agree with you. And this, like, right at the start of this match was right when they were ending hour one, starting hour two, correct? Yes. Okay. The reason why I ask is because when we taught, I think on Skype last, of like, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, we were I was talking about this, and, and I absolutely loved the transition Tony had from going into the commercial you know, with hour one ending and all that because, yeah, Bobby Heenan just came out to the announcer's booth and all that, and Tony was talking, you know, trying to wrap it up, you know, speak a little bit faster to head into the commercial and all that. Oh, and yeah. Asked Bobby a question and all that, and he's like, oh, hold on, Bobby, we got to go to commercial break, and Bobby put in a line like, oh, oh yeah. when, when can I speak? Or whatever. Yeah, he goes, and, don't I even get to talk? Yeah, yeah that was then, funny. Then Tony's like, yeah, in a bit. Then they sent it to a commercial. <laughs> yeah, and I absolutely love that. At the five-second mark, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome you to Hour 2 of Nitro! And it begins with a big explosion as we welcome to our broadcast location, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Welcome to Hour 2 of WCW Monday Nitro. We had the big triangle match for Brain. As you know, we announced that the two gentlemen who have been interrupting our broadcast over the past couple of weeks came 
to this arena. They were seen in the parking lot. They are here, and I'm, I tell you right now, well, we're going to have to talk more about it in a minute. We have to take a break, and we'll be back with Bobby the Brain Heenan, Larry Zabisco, Hour 2 of Nitro, live on TNT. When do I get to talk? In a minute. Right, right. When I like the idea that they go to the commercial with the three guys and they come back and it's just um two yeah just tony and brain yeah yeah then like you know that. when we come back to the commercial then we see a scroll on the bottom of our network so that i have it quoted presented in the most complete form possible <laughs> due, due to the original production te- technical difficulties and Th- things seem absolutely fine when they came back, and the match, the rest of the match seemed fine. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, did you? I was just, I was going to ask you that too. If you found those technical difficulties, but I guess I didn't. I, I didn't either. And I know I've said <laughs> it before. I've been listening to Brian and Vinny's show over at WrestlingObserver.com, and they mentioned that too during the reviews of Nitros, and they couldn't figure out either what these these technical difficulties were. Okay. So. Then I'll kick it to you to talk about the match from start to finish. All right, cool, man. Uh, yep, so we start with hitting a shoulder block on Morton. Um, the announcers mentioned that Flair and the Horsemen aren't going to sit at the VIP table this week because Macho is scaring them away because he's crazy. Um, see, man, you were talking you never saw anybody do a moonsault press. In this match, Morton hit a moonsault press oh, on from, two. That, that we talked about that last last podcast last weekend. Yes, you're saying I never saw a moonsault press. Whatever, whatever, I know you're kind of, I know, I, I took note that it doesn't really seem like Ricky Morton missed a step in his wrestling ability when he was in the ring. And that's why I wish he would have changed his look. Because yeah. it looks like he's lost a step because he looks so freaking old. Yeah. But, you know, he doesn't. If you would have modernized his look like we were kind of talking about last week with, moder- you know, me, I guess, modernizing my thoughts on pro wrestling. Right. And I don't know what that would be. Uh, I, you know, I don't know what it would be because I, I just don't have something in my mind. Hard but. to say, but yeah, if, like you said, you know, I guess I remember Jericho calling The Undertaker the Madonna pro wrestling because The Undertaker always seemed like he was like a step or two ahead of changing his look when, when yes. it was needed and all that. And I felt like it would have been nice if Martin would have, you know, kind of, or I guess that's with anybody too in wrestling and elsewhere that, you know, Change, change with the times. Change with the you know your looks and whatever else. Yeah, and I think uh, actually, I think Jericho's done a good job of tr- at, at least keeping pace with changing when he needs to. Yeah, um, I know. Like with I, I know he said times uh, with facial hair, yep. having like a beard or a goatee, having a goofy kind of looking goatee to his hair and and all that. And, you know, from tights to trunks and all that. Yep. I think CM Punk did a good job of updating his look frequently and very well. Um, yeah, those are the ones that I can think of off the top of my head that I think have done a really good job of trying to stay ahead of the curve. Well, heck, think of it, fans. If you guys can think of it, 
other people who are yeah. good on keeping up with the times too. You know, hit us no up prize, on Facebook, yeah. hit us hit us up on Twitter, and let 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 us know what you guys think. Right, right. Uh huh. Yep. And I think with those three that we've mentioned, they're all similar in that they've kept their overall look. You know, like they aren't changing characters. Yeah. There's still Chris Jericho, CM Punk, The Undertaker, but they're changing their just aesthetic look. Yeah. Okay. Um, I loved so. I loved it when Arn Anderson got tagged in, how loud the fans were when they popped, when Anderson finally got legally into the match and all that. Mm -hmm. You can tell they're in horseman country tonight. Yes, definitely. I just wrote the crowd loves Arn so, so much, and they did. Uh, Arn got a sleeper onto Gibson, um, but old Robert was able to fight out. Uh, Benno got a huge strike on Morton on the outside and stomps him uh, as Mongo looks on dumbly. Like, <laughs> you couldn't throw on, throw in a couple stomps there, Mongo? Like, literally, the camera is, like, pointed down, and you see Benoit kicking uh, Gibson, and then you see Mongo's feet, and he's just standing there. And he's just standing there looking at him. They're doing like, do dirty. I know. Oh, gosh. Man, maybe. No, he just stands there. He doesn't do anything because it's not his scripted time to do something. <laughs> and that just, I don't know, that kind of pisses me off. Either go away or stop. Just, yeah. Yeah. Be useful. Yeah. Um, right. Back in the ring, Arn uh, has Ricky on the bottom rope. Uh, he's, he's choking him. Oh, actually, you know what he did? He kind of did like a slingshot move. And slingshot him into the bottom rope, yeah. which looked really cool. So I, I yep. took note that Double A did a bottom rope since a slingshot suplex or slingshot clothesline spot to Morton before taking him in a while. Right. Uh huh. Exactly. That's about as best as I can describe which it. Which I liked, and I know we've talked about Anderson before, but that's one thing I liked about Arn Anderson and his wrestling ability. Right. Yeah, Arn Anderson's the man. Definitely. Then, yeah, then, I I don't what, what I have next is a finish. you want me to take you to the finish, Mr. Beverly Hills? Yes. Okay. Oh. Or, or I think I got one. I got one thing. Yeah, Ricky was able to fight back a little bit on, on Arn. Uh, Robert got in and did a slam and a double noggin knocker on the horseman. And then all four men got in the ring to brawl. Martin was doing ten punches in the corner to Arn Anderson, and Randy Anderson, the referee, was over there on the ropes, you know, kind of try to gain control and all that, doing his rough wreath and when Benoit and Gibson were trying to backside one another, when Mongo jumped up on the apron, gave Gibson a brief briefcase shot to the head, Benoit covered him and scored the pinfall victory. Perhaps the lightest briefcase shot I have ever seen. Yes. He was like, Boop. he just like reached out with it so, and like touched him on the head. Mongo is no Rolfus from Slamberty 2000. Oh, he's throwing stuff at him. Yes. Or did he hit? Did he hit someone too? Are you, or are you referring to the throw? Or anything? Since it, you and I had fun times th- from, uh, watching that pay per view when Rolfus was sh- doing the Donkey Kong spot, throwing plastic <laughs> bear, plastic trash cans at people. At, uh, well, that's just the best thing ever. I don't know if it applies here, but that's just the best Whatever. thing ever. Just something I thought of. Yeah, Mongo taking that Albert and just being like <laughs> touching Gibson with it. 
So the winners, <laughs> Two and a half stars. Yeah, the winners are Chris Benoit and Arn Anderson. I agree with you. I rated this match. Two and a half stars as well. Nice. Uh, granted, I didn't take many notes to this match, but I really enjoyed it. I felt like all four men had great chemistry together. And, yeah, the, like I said earlier, the Rocky Rollers didn't really look like they missed too much of a step. I felt like this take match with Benoit and Anderson against the Rocky Roll Express was lot hell of a lot better than the American Males match that they had the week before that we had talked about on the last podcast. And I felt like Benoit looked great in, in his spots, and I felt like Benoit started to take shape and showing people worldwide on how great he is. Yeah, yeah, Arn's the man. And then Joe Gomez came in to try no. to talk to attack the horseman. Joe Gomez is the worst wrestler ever. I hate him so much. Then Mongo got in the ring and the three horsemen attacked attacked him and slapped him around, showed him that him trying to run in was nothing but stupid. <laughs> I wrote to my happiness they kick his ass. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. so happy that they beat him up. Macho and Green ran down to the ring and the yeah. horseman ran off and Larry Larry said, Too little too late. <laughs> and which I have to agree with Larry. <laughs> Then we go backstage with Mean Gene, who's with Flair, Woman, Liz, and Deborah. The ladies. And Flair put over that the horsemen are uh, were united and together. Yep. Flair said that we're woo and Charlotte, and when we're mixing <laughs> business with pleasure. Now, I didn't take a lot of notes on this one because he was going a mile a minute, but I. And get we mix business with pleasure, and I loved it. Yeah, I noted that Flair was rambling a lot. Yeah, and all that. Then Gene sent it elsewhere. Then Flair said, or Gene was going to try to send it elsewhere. Then Flair said something about Conan, which I guess Flair's challenging Conan for the U.S. title at the Bash at the Beach. Tony, I thank you very much. Uh, all hell breaking loose out of the arena, and some very. Uh, I would say high concern on the part of the nature boy, Ric Flair. We are back in a secured area along with these lovely ladies, but more on that a little bit later on. You saw what just happened here, Ric Flair. I certainly did. I saw the horsemen who are reunited and in full force for the first time in a long time. Take charge, Steve McMichael. Woo, my hat's off to you, brother. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What's the story with Steve McMichael and his Halliburton? He just smashed another man, including one of the participants in the match, and then Gomez. That's for us to know and for you to worry about. Macho man, Kevin Green, we're locked up. We're secured. We're under guard. And tonight, woo, and Charlotte, we mix woo, business with pleasure. Hey, look who's coming here. Chris Benoit, the enforcer Arn Anderson, and Steve McMichael. I don't believe it. Steve McMichael. One day, give me the ball. Show him the ring. Show him the ring. Put it on. Look here. Gentlemen, where are you? There Look at here, Mean Gene. Ain't it pretty? Ain't it pretty? I can see it, yes. As a matter of fact, I saw Michael Jordan doing this. He must be acknowledging the four horsemen. Sure he is. What are you talking about? We're everywhere. We're nationwide, baby. We're an island unto ourselves. Nobody can stop us. 
All right, very good, gentlemen. I'm sorry we are out of time. Don't we? Conan, remember, our Lord, our time. Thank you, the horsemen and the ladies, and stay tuned for WCW Monday Nitro when we come back here on TNT. Give a rest. Then we, <laughs> then we might as well move on. Then, and then we, you see, go to a commercial, come back, and Tony and Bobby are sitting there, and Tony talks about the triangle tag match that we'll see. Okay. And Bobby uh, talked about the security and how they, how they, they haven't seen security like this before because Tony asked Bobby how long he's been in WCW, and Bobby said like three years or what mm-hmm. or something like that, two three years, and yep, and all that. Then Bobby. Puts overhaul. They don't know who the third man is to team up with the outsiders at the Bash at the Beach. And Tony said that we don't know who has the advantage because, or we, or what, whatever, because WWE is united to take on the outsiders. And I guess what's yes. your thoughts on Tony and Bobby kind of talking about their time in WCW and they never seen that so much stress as they do when the outsiders showed up. Well, you know, I think it gives uh, a certain gravity and a certain weight to it when you hear the announcers talk about that because the announcers are always, you know, kind of presented to be above the fray on this kind of stuff. When you t- when you just hear the wrestlers talk, it sounds like a problem. But these guys, it sounds like it's more real. Yeah, that like you said, I totally agree with you that they made it seem more more real and all that, and compared to, like, the last week when Bobby was comparing the Outsiders' invasion to the Gulf War and all that, I feel like this went over a lot better than what they tried to do last week. Right. Yes. Well, the second hour continues of WCW Monday Nitro live here on TNT, joined, of course, by Bobby the Brain and Heenan. Still to come, the triangle match for the WCW World Tag Team title live here tonight. But, Brain, how long How long have you been with WCW? Uh, almost three years. And he, we were talking during the break. We've never seen security like this. We've never seen the wrestlers come together like this. And never before have we ever been involved in such an important pay-per-view telecast. I said it before. I've said it four or five times in this telecast that the history of our sport could be changed on the 7th of July at Bash of the Beach. You know, and the guys in the back aren't walking around saying, is somebody behind me who's over here? Everybody wants to get involved. Everybody wants to fight. Everybody wants to get rid of these two guys that come in here and try to push us around. Well, and, and I, I look over your shoulder because I've seen Eric Bischoff. Wait, just settle down. I've seen Eric Bischoff at this location many times and how these two gentlemen who we understand are somewhere here tonight have walked up disrupted proceedings and the last time they confronted eric bischoff it wasn't too pretty and of course the same thing could happen to us but nevertheless sting the macho man lex luger together coming up at bash of the beach but we still don't know who their third member is i know we do they have the advantage on us don't anybody understand this i don't know if they have we're the advantage. fighting their battle now because we don't know who their partner is I'm not so sure if we have, they have the advantage or not because we are hungry we want it badly and that's going to come out coming up at Daytona Beach. All right, it's time to decide who the Lord of the Ring will be. Our next match here on WCW Monday Nitro as we go to the ring on TNT. Then we might as well talk about the next match. Alex Wright take on Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, okay. I took note that that uh, Alex Wright is in, like, baby blue bright tights. <laughs> yeah. And DDP is wearing neon pink tights with silver trim. Yes. And yes. I had, I had to ask, what kind of tights are that? 
because those are bright <laughs> to my eyes. Some interesting ones, that's for sure. And I, I'll kick it to you for, to talk about Alex Wright taking on Diamond Dallas Page. All right. So DDP gets in the ring. He's kind of preening right away, and uh, Wright gets a roll up on him right quick. But uh, yeah, but he gets kicked out on. Uh, Brain is talking. He goes on this ridiculous rant that if the Outsiders win uh, and successfully invade WCW, they might start taking over other sports. And he's like, "What if? What if they take over the Indianapolis 500? What if they take over baseball or the Super Bowl?" This is very strange. Very strange. I'll love to see the Outsiders take over the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, he said that they were going to take over the Indianapolis 500 and start driving cars. <laughs> um, okay, buddy. okay, so D- yeah, so D- so DDP stomping on right. Um, D- what? Okay, did you catch? I called it a falling armbar type thing. Do you know what that move's called? Is it just called the jumping armbar? DDP I, did it to right. I assume so. Yeah, jumping okay. armbar. Or- yeah, I don't. I really don't know what else to call it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what what that's called. So, um, DDP hit an over the shoulder backbreaker and then pulled it down to a over the knee gut buster, which looked cool. Yeah, because I I really liked that that spot and I liked how DDP and Riot made it look pretty awesome. Right. Yeah, that looked good. Um. Right hit was able to take over for a really little bit, and he had an atomic drop, two European uppercuts, and a kind of jumping sidekick. Yeah, uh, uh, something yeah. like what Booker T does. Yeah, yes, it was. It was very similar to what Booker T does. Um, right went up top then for an axe handle, and he had a springboard dropkick that on one side of the ring, and it sent DDP all the way over to the other side of the ring and through the ropes, which looked cool. Uh, and then a tope from Wright. Wright, he's on fire. Um, but he tries for a slingshot splash. DDP gets his knees up. Uh, DDP's going to go for, oh, and then go ahead. You can, yeah, you can Wright tried take. to counter some stuff. Then DDP hit the diamond counter out of nowhere yep. to score the pinfall victory. So the winner is Diamond Dallas Page, the Lord of the Rain. And I rated this match one and one four star. I went two and three quarters, a lot higher than you. I the I, I, only thing I really liked was the production ending sequence. You know, putting, you know, both men put in, put in a decent match. They looked pretty decent, and I really like how they're been building up DDP during that art time in WCW '96. And I've been really enjoying to see how DDP hits the diamond cutter out of nowhere and. And all that, and then, like I said earlier, with I think one of the earlier matches, either on last week's podcast or this one, that I like fin- finishers. I think it was the Dean Malenko match. I think last week that he hit a move, the finish out of nowhere, and I appreciate yes. stuff like finishes like that that you don't see it coming. Yep, right. And I th- I thought it just was crisp throughout. I thought it was a very very nicely done altogether. I liked it. Then we then Mean Gene is. And you know, made it to the ring and to interview Diamond Dallas Page to talk about his Bash of the Beach match with Jim Duggan in a t- uh, tape fist match. And DDP said that he 
we will put the diamond cutter on anyone, and he's been showing that, that we've been reviewing on Nitro. And he questions how he is one of the greatest wrestlers, or he questions why one of the greatest wrestlers gets put in a tape fist match. Yeah. And he and DDP talks about how it's a conspiracy against him. Yep. And he will remain the remain with the Battle Bowl ring when he takes on the guy that likes to party in the USA with his two by four. Tough guy. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yeah, and he says, uh, tape up your whole body. You're not going to take my ring from me. <laughs> Which I very, very, very enjoyed DDP in. Lateral press. One, two, three. Humanoids if you can that high. Diamond Dallas is your winner on WCW Monday Nitro. Coming to you live from the Independence Arena in Charlotte. Without a doubt. The number one professional wrestling program live each and every Monday here on TNT. Gene Okerlund is making his way to the ring for Diamond Dallas to talk. With that, we go to meet Gene Okerlund. All right, Tony Schiavone, I thank you very much. Come on in, Diamond Dallas Page. You're going to be facing none other than Hacksaw Jim Duggan inside two weeks at the Bash at the Beach. Your Lord of the Ring, yes, is going to be on the line. You won that at Battle Bowl. And also, the word I get from promoters, this is going to be a tape fist match. Dallas, that's his specialty. Yeah, right. Let's get something straight. If I put the diamond cutter on anyone, they got the life expectancy of a housefly. I just saw it. And as far as Duggan's concerned, let me ask you a question. How is one of the greatest wrestlers on the planet get stuck in a tape fist match huh well, now this is huh? something that was uh, I'll determined tell you how it's a conspiracy everybody's trying to hold ddp down i mean a tape fist match you're paranoid nobody's beat, nobody's beat this guy in a tape fist match i mean his bimbo grandmother was some tape fist champion can you imagine what she looked like well you know like it or not that's the way it's going to be the bottom line is this, Duggan, if you got to tape your fist, go for it. Tape your fist, tape your mouth, tape your whole body, because what's mine is mine. I'm the Lord of the Rings, brother, and you ain't taking it from me. Thank you, Diamond Dallas Page. When we come back, the Macho Man and BK Wall Street, live from Charlotte on Nitro. Look out. And we go to another commercial. We see another Glacier commercial. <laughs> Whatever. I hate you, Glacier. I hate your commercials. Suck it. Then we you're, come back. And you're we... lucky that we didn't uh, watch. We aren't going to watch after Bash the Beach because it keeps going. Yes, thankfully. Meeting comes <laughs> you back. Oh, th- oh, thankfully we aren't going to watch. <laughs> I yeah, was like, what? Yeah. Uh, Meeting welcomes us back to Nitro and he has Kevin Green. And we see a video package of when Mongo turned. Turned on him at the Great American Bash. Green no. said that Mongo sold out to making or sold himself out to making a few extra bucks, and he assumed that Mongo made enough money in the NFL, so he doesn't know why Mongo no. had to sell himself out for a little bit more cash in the pro wrestling ring. Yes. Green said that he ha- has a game plan, yep. and, and that he and the Carolina Panthers will kick booty 
and each time he trains and they're on the field, he'll, he'll remember Mongo and what he did. And when the season is over, he'll be Mongo hunting. Yeah, Mongo. And he, Kevin Green, Macho Man, and two other WSW wrestlers will be coming after the Horseman. And I guess I really liked this promo with Kevin Green, and I felt like he was great. He said, yeah, I'm going to personally explain why he's going to be gone from WCW TV for a few months and said, you know, when when I'm off, you know, for the season in football, I'll be training, I'll be thinking about what Mongo did to me, you know, eight days before at the uh, the Great American Bash, and I will be back when the season is done, and I'll come after Mongo, and I will do to him what I'll lay a beating on him worse than what he did to me. Right. Yeah. And I, yeah, I like that. It's a good way to kind of write him off for a while. It's yeah. And he's going to hunt his slimy face, which I also thought was a funny line. Yes. (laughs) Then we go to the next match. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. And if you wonder why Charlotte, North Carolina is going nuts tonight, there's a good reason. My guest at this time, outside linebacker for the Carolina Panthers, Kevin Green. Kevin, before we get anywhere, we saw you a little bit earlier on. Obviously, you have unfinished business with Steve Mongo McMichael. And with that, let's go back to the Great American Bash. All of a sudden, your teammate, your partner, taking a look at that cold, hard cash and describing what's going, going on right here. I think it's evident the man sold me out. For what? A couple of extra dollars? Like he didn't make enough money playing 15 years in the NFL. He's got to make a little extra cash on the side. I thought we were partners, man. We were tag team partners. He turned on me. Oh, my word. Oh, I cannot believe it. That's the shot heard around the world. And I'm certain you've got a score to settle, but you've got other things that you've got to do right now. We've got a, an entire season coming up. Absolutely. I've got a game plan, though, Mean Gene. What is that? My game plan is this. I've got to play this year for the Carolina Panthers. And we're going to surprise some people. We're going to kick some ass. <laughs> well, it's too late. I can't bring that back. Mean Gene, I want you to know something. Every time I sweat, every time I train, every two-a-day workout, every quarterback I drill, every running back I pummel, I'm going to remember Mongo's slimy backstabbing face, baby. And then I would assume... After this season, I'm going to go on a Mongo hunt. You have to have a license for that? I'm talking lock and load, baby. Crosshairs on target, fire for effect. And one more thing, when the season's done, me and the Macho Man and two more superpowers from the WCW are going to get some payback, baby, in a big way. He is Kevin Green, outside linebacker for the Carolina Panthers. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, he's got some great things in mind as we get you back to more action on Monday night. Which, uh, with VK Wall Street take on Macho Man Randy Savage, who's with Kevin Green. And I feel like the VK Wall Street gimmick is a poor knockout to the Million Dollar Man. Well, and just a knockoff of himself, of the IRS. That was bad. And I noted that Macho isn't wearing his Macho Man, or... Is it wearing his Macho Man shirt or his Macho jacket, which makes me very, very sad. And Correct. I don't know why Mongo, or not Mongo, Green, you know, came out for his interview, then went backstage, 
then just to come <laughs> back out with macho, like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I don't know. Very weird, very weird. Then I'll, whenever you're ready, I'll kick it to you for the match. John, I'm ready, man. I'm yeah. ready. So Wall Street starts off and he throws um, throws Macho to the floor uh, and into the first row. <laughs> and uh, But he comes back out. Wall Street's in control, but Macho's firing back. He punts Wall Street. Um, a snap suplex from the Macho Mang. Uh, Wall Street hits a European uppercut and a suplex, uh, and he goes to the top, but Macho, and, and he hits one of those top rope moves where there's no way it would ever actually work. Oh. Because <laughs> he's just, like, jumping down just to get kicked in the face. Um, yeah, and that's what happens. He gets kicked in the face. I know during this time that we get a lot of we want flood chance and all that. Yes. And, which, uh-huh. to my surprise, I'm... You know, we only get a backstage interview with Flair, and we get no Ric Flair matches on TV for this episode of Nitro, which I'm surprised at. That's classic WCW, man. Yeah. Classic. To keep him off when he's so wanted. So I know, yeah, you know, during the result, I looked up the results for the, for the night, and I know he does have a dark match after the show, and... You know, okay. And, and take on Macho, and I do... Want to ask, you know, since you're talking about WCW and not not bringing guys out in their hometown and people want them like we see here with Flair and Charlotte, I know both are, I guess, is picking the better of two evils or lesser two evils. But mm-hmm. what's your thoughts on WCW doing this to Flair or and the WWF's way of when a guy's in their hometown making them lose and making them look bad? I think it's just crazy. I don't understand why they do that. Because both to me, both don't make sense. But at least you know, with WCW, sense if I had to pick one, I'd rather have them do that. Since you know, we I'd rather see you know the guy do a promo and show off his charisma and and all that, and hearing the fans chant, "We want Flair," and to me, indicates to the viewers at home that this guy is something special. You know that, especially if you're not really. If especially if you're new to professional wrestling and and all that, like okay, people want this Flair character. Like, what's he all about? Why is he so popular? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I. Yeah. I don't know why you don't give the crowd what they want. It's. Uh, I don't know. It's a dumb, dumb idea. Yeah. So yeah, right. You know, right on that. Yeah. That. Oh, you mentioned that Walsh went up top and was going to do something to Macho, and Macho put his boot up that. Macho took the advantage right. and went for the Macho elbow, but IRS rolled out of the ring, and Macho, mm-hmm. instead of landing on his elbow on the mat, Macho was able to land on his feet. Right. Then I'll oh, hit, hit to the finish that. Green pulled IRS into mm-hmm. the turnbuckle post. Yeah, yep. Then Macho body slammed him, went up again, and hit the Macho elbow and scored the pinfall victory. Yep. So the winner is the Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah. And I rated, yeah, Macho, yeah. And I rated this match two and one four star. I went with also two and one four star. Because I feel like both men worked hard and got the crowd into the match when you know, especially when Macho had the advantage. The fans seemed into the match too, even when IRS was jaw jacking with Kevin Green and had the advantage and all that. And I just felt like both men worked hard, and especially with Macho, how well over he was, and him tied with Ric Flair, and having chant, the fans chant, 
we want flair during some of the slower parts i really enjoyed this tv match right yeah this was good this is a good solid tv match and then i really enjoyed seeing the fans jump to the feet when the bell dinged <laughs> then we the go bells. to a commercial for the wcw magazine like we talked about last week the July issues with Lux Luger on the cover. Oh, God. Lottie freaking da. I don't oh, care. Yes. And I'm not going to buy that magazine, even on Amazon or eBay. Whatever. Lux Luger, you can suck it too. Then we get the oh, main, man. Then we, can, then we get the main event of the, of the night for the WCW World Tag Team Championships in a triangle match. Yeah. Harlem Har- Heat with Booker T and Stevie Ray versus the Steiner Brothers, Scotty and Rick Steiner. Both teams are the challengers. Take on the yep. champions. Lux Luger and Stan. Yes. And I noted that Harlan Heat are wearing their black tights with yellow and red flames, which I very well Yes, enjoy. and these are the ones I like. Yep, these are the ones I like a lot. I agree. Those, the black ones and the red tights, I really like of theirs. Yes. And the Steiners come out second. Rick is in like a zebra print and crazy color singlet, whatever. Then mm-hmm. Stan and Lux Luger are wearing the yellow and green Stan face paint. Yeah, both which is kind of weird, but both, yeah. Both are wearing their tape team titles around their around their waist. I put them in notes. I know you're not going to care, but I I don't care what people don't care about. So whatever. <laughs> uh, Do you, man? And Steen and Luger are both wearing black. Or Steen's wearing black tights. Luger's wearing black trunks. And I think too, was it Macho wearing uh, his Steen face paint too in his match? Yes, he was. Okay, which I very well enjoy and. I guess this match is a one-fall match, and only two men are in the ring. Oh, yeah, only two men, at, in, men in at a time, and you can tag whoever you want during yep. the match and all that. Yes. Which is one thing I like about triangle take team matches in WCW. Right. Then Booker T and Scotty start out the match, mm-hmm. and I yes. no- noted that Scotty hits the first move, a arm drag. <laughs> yes, he did. Because yep, Scott hit a throw on on the Booker man, um, Stevie then came in. The, the uh, Harlem Heat—they're trying to keep it just them, right? They're, they don't want to get anybody else in the ring. Um, Stevie started with a shot to Scott's back and then a sidekick, but Scott was able to uh, hit kind of a butterfly power bomb throw type deal. Um, <laughs> Then we get a long <laughs> kind of segue where um, Bobby and Tony are talking about that some people have written in to talk about WCW and the Outsiders. <laughs> and Tony mentions that the mayor of Jennings Gap, Virginia has written it and Bobby just can't handle it. He's like, whoa, the mayor of Jennings Gap, Virginia Jenny, I'm going to try to find Jenny's Gap, Virginia. Yeah, Jennings, Jennings. Okay. Well, see Jennings Gap. Is he, oh, like Jenny as the female Jenny? No, no, Jennings. Okay, I'll see if I can find anything. I'll see if I can, too. We'll, do, we'll double team it. Jennings Gap. Well, especially since I, I can't uh, spell. Ooh, I, I, found, well, I found Jenny's Gap Road. No, I found it. It's in Augusta County, Virginia. Um, yep. It's uh, on U.S. Route 270. <laughs> okay, because supposedly for me to 
or according to where I found, it's be like a 17-hour and 55-minute drive for me. <laughs> and all that, about 1,176 miles on. And main drag for me to take is I-64 East. <laughs> Sweet. So, okay, so uh, as as they're talking about this, uh, Harold Wiener double-teaming Sting in the corner here. Um, Booker misses a sidekick and crashes himself on the top rope. Uh, Sting is going to go for a Vader bomb here, but Booker gets his knees up, which allows then he takes in Stevie and Stevie takes over with a big power slam, but Luger breaks it up. Booker hits a spinning wheel kick, but he, again, he's being too sassy and he can't get the three. Uh, Sting headbutts Stevie in the crotchular region, which uh, makes him a little, you know, out of, out of condition there. Um, Luger comes in as a, well, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say right on this, or throughout the match, I've been hearing a lot from the fans. We want flair and all that. (laughs) Gets, gets me thinking like, again, why don't we get a flair TV match? Because the fans are going to keep hijacking whatever matches that they can to until they see Ric Flair in person. Yep, exactly, exactly. That's the, I don't know, that's the whole point of what you're talking about and everything. So, uh, yeah, Luger comes in as a house of fire on Harlem Heat. Luger power slams Booker T, but here comes the outsiders down the steps, and they have bats. And then security gets in the ring, and I think there's about 40 security guards. Yeah, that. Yeah, I put in this. Steen takes in Luger and is a... Total house of of a uh, fire pack is the total house of fire package. <laughs> yep. Got that. Then, yeah. Then we see National Hall come through oh, the crowd yeah. with baseball bats and security guards ran down and filled the ring. And this is kind of came with some confusion because we hear and we hear the go off and we get new team team champions. Mr. Oh, Bell I Rose. saw all of it. Okay, well, you can kind of see it kind of off-screen or kind of, but Harlem Heat... Because the, the outsiders are hitting the ring steps with their bats. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, Luger, or, uh, Booker T rolls up Luger. Luger. Schoolboy yeah. pinfall, and, yeah, got the pinfall victory, so the winners are Harlem Heat, our new reigning and defending WCW World Tag Team Champions. I uh, rated this match, Mr. Beverly Hills, three stars. I went two and a half. So not quite, but pretty close. I guess I, I really liked this match a lot, and I really liked this style of three-way tag team matches. Yeah, I liked it too. Then I know, yeah, also we see Harlem Heat walking out with the belts behind Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, and the outsiders let them walk away. I don't, to yep. me, that doesn't make any sense, but whatever. They aren't facing you see, those. I would have I would have liked that so much better. You know, I didn't like that it became an all-encompassing feud. Everybody who's on WCW versus everyone who's versus who's on NWO. Like, I like that they let fellow heels go. Yeah, I guess I wish they would have took that more into questioning Harlem Heat. Like, do you guys have something with the Outsiders? What's going on? But whatever. no, see, I don't want that. I don't okay. want it to become everybody NWO oh, versus makes, everybody WCW. Yeah, I want them to not be associated, but be okay with each other. Okay, then. Do, did you hear the diesel chant? I did, yes. Yeah, so I took note that we get a diesel chant, as faint as it was, but whatever, then we get a close-up of one of the security guards having their hand on the gun. 
Yeah. Ah, the policemen have their guns out. They're going to shoot Holland Nash. I'm Holland, scared. Holland Nash start to back up the rings, very, or back up the ramp very slowly. I would, too. That gun's out. Then we see a replay of Booker T rolling up Luger for the victory after Luger dropped him when he was going up, setting him up for the torture act. Then we see, you know, but Luger let go of it, the torture act, because of the outsiders jumping the guardrail. Right. Then we go to Bobby and Tony, and, and, you know, and Bobby's concerned for his well-being, which I can't blame him since outsiders have bats and they're kind of walking their way. <laughs> yeah. Tony apologized for not facing the camera and all that, and Bobby stands up selling how scared he is, which I really, really enjoyed. Yeah. Then Tony puts over the outsiders aren't, Gonna take control with take control of WCW with baseball bats. Then Tony says we'll see, you know gives Bischoff his well wishes and tells us he'll see us <laughs> next well, week on Nitro. I guess I, I know we talked about this before earlier in the podcast, but what's your thoughts on Bobby and Tony selling of the outsiders ciders with their baseball bats? I think it's tremendous. I think they did a really good job, like I said earlier, of really adding the gravity of the situation and uh, really adding some weight to it. Sting with the determination, Luger with the power, and then not the Macho Man as Luger finally comes in, are ready to fight on July 7th. Are they in the building? I don't know. They were in the... Okay, Savage is in the building. We know that. Everything could break loose here. Do not leave. They were in the parking lot, no question about it. Upper right, upper right, gets security right. Here they come. Through the stands, through the people. We need to get them out of here right now. They just move from outside. They've got baseball bats in their hands. They've got baseball bats in their hands. And we've got security everywhere. Oh, my goodness. And we've got to in the ring. We're going to one, two, three. Is that it? We are at war, somebody. Whether you like it or not, whether anybody likes it or not, right now those two men standing there mean business we are at war we have new world tag team champions the belts of teams hands who, who? in the midst of this melee Harlem Heat they are the world tag and I've never seen belts change hands in, in such a way they have aluminum ball belts Harlem Heat's got the belt ladies and gentlemen never before have we seen or witnessed anything like this and I think that scenes are worth a thousand, a million words. Don't say nothing. Just, just watch it. My goodness. Incredible. Tony, they mean business. They haven't just come here to disrupt our television program. They mean business. When you come out with ball bats, they're here to hurt people. They're here to take everybody out. They're here to run this organization. And they're not going to do it. WCW poised and ready. And fans, I have no idea what to say about this. Congratulations to Harlem Heat. As they're, they're reaching, they're reaching for the, they're reaching for the peace there. And they're on the microphone, on the walkie-talkies. They're calling for help. They better get some help here. Say right now, fans. I'm scared to death. Tony, which way are they moving? Are they moving towards our announcement? Well, they're, they're backing up. I mean, you're not talking about Maris and Mandel here. These two guys got ball bats, and they don't want to put one out of the park. They would have parts your hair. We are in a state of emergency on Nitro as never before. And here's what happened. And, and in all this incredible occurrences, we had the changing of New World Tag Team Champions. And I missed all this. There was so much action on the floor with the police 
and who's ever showing up here. Harlem Heat grabs Luger, goes to the count for the one, for the two, for the three. I guess they. And the, we have new tag team champions. This has gotten way, way out of hand, fans. I don't know. Are we on? Tony, I'm not going to sit down no, here. To stay with us. We still got security around us. I've never in my life. We have seen disruptions before, but never have two men come in in the middle of a world tag team title matchup with baseball bats, with aluminum bats, and and disrupted action like this. Tony, I'm a little concerned for my well-being out here. Why don't you wrap it up and I'll get the No, you stay here with me because I want to tell you this, fans, that we will have more of what transpired here this weekend on WCW Pro on Saturday morning and on WCW Saturday night uh, coming up this weekend, this Saturday on TBS. And I am absolutely, I'm, I'm, I apologize for not facing the camera, but I am scared to death. But fans, I can tell you this right now. I'm not sitting down. Now, when, let me say this. The WCW is not going lightly. There's not going to be a hostile takeover of WCW. You can't just walk in the Independence Arena with this great history of our great sport with baseball bats and say that you run things. I think Charlotte Finest proved it tonight. And I can tell you right now, coming up on July 7th, I'm saying this from Tony Schiavone, not from Bobby the Brain. And I'm not saying this from WCW. I'm saying it from me not going to happen july 7th when history comes around when things change there's going to be a new regime i can tell you that you're on your own for bobby the brain heenan for me and gene oakland for larry zabisco eric get well soon it's crazy here my man and we'll see you next week live on wcw monday nitro on tnt see you fans then yeah, they then Tony sends us home, you know, so that we'll he will see us next week on Nitro, and we'll see you guys or you guys, if listeners will hear us right after the break here on Mid Event Status Radio. Hey, the boogie woogie man vibe. A lot of threats, a lot of words from Tony Blanchard Enterprises has been directed towards this man, 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 towards this man, man, man. Tony, I have never been dropped on my wig. Than I have by J.J. Dillon on the concrete floor, baby. What's it, the boogeyman, baby? Wide open, open, wide open. All my people, my brothers and sisters, all my people, my brothers and sisters, in the streets, in the alleys, in the joints, wherever you are. All my people, my brothers and sisters, you know boogeyman's with ya. You know boogeyman's with ya. We're back for the thrilling conclusion. Send us to the jobber, my man. I had to pick Kip Abbey. I'm with you, my good Kip Abbey. Because I feel like what a jobber for not really getting anything for whatever match or whatever the hell you want to call it. And <laughs> having a silly name that even I cannot pronounce. So, that's Total jobber. 
total. Then my main event status stars has to be Harley Heat for scoring the take, for scoring the victory and scoring the tag team titles during the destruction of the Outsiders in their main event triple tag team match or triangle match. Mm, I'm gonna go with. And when you're still thinking, I have to. I feel like it could be bad of when Nick Patrick counted the pinfall victory with the security guards with their had their hands on their guns. With about twenty five sheriff's deputies in the ring, yeah. But um, well, who's your main event status star for the episode? Jeez, oh, there are there are a lot of good options here. Maybe DDP this time. Yeah, he looked good in his match. I liked him. I feel like Alex Wright also was a good opponent, if not a great opponent for DDP to help build DDP up and help build him up for his Diamond Cutter finish. Right. Uh-huh. Then, uh, yeah, so say I I find, do find it kind of weird. We talked about it last week, but I'm happy that we finally get to see the Outsiders this episode. I like what we did last week on the episode. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to finally see the Outsiders and hearing, you know, seeing yes. them advance their storyline, having Bobby and Tony also help advance their storylines as well as the few times that they kick it to Tony and Bobby and have them discuss on discussing the Outsiders and security guards and, and all that is, like you said earlier, that makes the storyline seem more real. Yes, uh-huh, definitely. It, it adds that that touch of realism that's needed when you're doing this big, big invasion storyline. So we might as well do the plugs for the podcast. Yes. Listeners, you can listen to us at our website, maineventstatus.com. That's maineventstatus.com. You guys can listen to us at our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com backslash Radio. That's all one word, soundcloud.com slash Radio. Mr. Beverly Hills, there's a third Third way to listen to us, and it's your—it's I guess it's your gimmick to talk about it. What is this? <laughs> what is this third way, Mister Beverly Hills? Uh, it's an, an important way is to uh, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, we love to to climb up the ranks, and, and we would do that if you could uh, subscribe and rate rate us and uh, comment uh, on our podcast. Tell us how we're doing uh, so we can improve or tell us a great job. If you think we're doing a great job, uh, send us up those ranks. And tell me tell me how much you guys hate it when I r- ring my ring bell and all that groovy for a movie stuff. Uh, how I'm <laughs> crunky like a funky monkey. <laughs> and yeah, rate us, rate us or subscribe to us, rate us, review us, help us move up against the charts who be I guess uh, one of six challengers against the Ross Report and Jim Ross. <coughs> Guys can uh, interact with us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Radio, or just subscri- search out Status Radio, like us there, and we're on Twitter. Beverly, Be- Beverly, how can they talk to you on the Twitter? You can get to me at Beverly Hills, M-E-S. How about you? You can interact with me at... Dirty Dog MES, that's dog as in DA to the W to the G. Dirty Dog MES, let me take a swig. <laughs> great, great radio, great podcasting. Do you, you any, man. do you have any more final thoughts for the episode, Mr. Beverly Hill? I do, I do not. I just gotta say, we're taking over. <laughs> for Mr. Beverly Hills, I am the Dirty Dog Darcy. Adios, main eventers. Bikinis! Yeah!
That was amazing. You should, get, you should get much more time than anyone else. That is our show. Good night, everybody. That's so good.